That was, me. That was me waking up from a nightmare. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You had to put that in context because otherwise I was just very You just strange. thought I was screaming. <laughs> I just thought that was your cold open. Just scream at him. <laughs> that might become my cold open, yeah. honestly. doesn't get much colder than that. Yeah. Welcome to This Is Uncomfortable, the podcast where we make you really uncomfortable and talk about weird stuff. Yeah, this week we're talking about nightmares. This is going to be so fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't listen to this at night. (laughs) Uh, So real quick, clarifiers, the difference between a nightmare and a bad dream. A bad dream is something that has an unhappy ending. A nightmare, on the other hand, is way more vivid and intense, and it often elicits strong feelings of terror, distress, fear, and or anxiety. Mm. Which is really interesting because a lot of what I read about was that the reason we have nightmares is that we're feeling stressed or anxious. And so it's like a, like you're processing stress or anxiety. So Got it. it's kind of interesting that you're manifesting it as well. Maybe make, not always re- resolving it. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I, I feel like I get all of my stress out in my sleep. And that's where I process everything. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I got most of my information from Harvard Medical Department of Neurobiology and Wikipedia. Okay. Two very different sources, but (laughs) same same stuff. Um, Good spectrum. Yeah, I like it. Uh, So for an estimated 3 to 7% of the entire population, nightmares can be a real problem for people. And they are more typical in children ages 3 to 6. So the theory behind that is that children are very vulnerable, and so the vulnerabilities become kind of the source of their nightmares. Like, the, it's, like, manifest. Because I, I think I read something similar, that it was, like, evolutionary, that they have them more because they're they're more vulnerable than the rest right. of other groups of and people. And it also makes sense that children's minds are so more like active yeah yeah, their imaginations are crazy so it'd make more sense that they have more nightmares than adults do and adults tend to taper off with their nightmares the older they get that's the thing too is a lot of it i read about was a lot um related to like your brain activity as you sleep Mm -hmm. so because also kids brains are in such like wild stages of development i'm sure just having a lot of like erratic shit going on in your brain yeah would not help that for sure so um Dreaming happens in your REM sleep, which is your rapid eye movement phase of sleep. Um, this phase is really discontinuous, so it happens like kind of in a cycle. So if you see a lot of sleep charts, they'll, they'll show like kind of a up and down zigzag pattern of deep sleep versus lower sleep or, you know, mm-hmm. awake sleep. Um, it's about 20% of when you're actually sleeping, and it, it's typically split up between four and five periods. So um, we dream as we emerge from REM. So we go yeah. to, like, super deep sleep, and as we're coming out of it is when we start dreaming. Okay. Because what happens is when you're in super REM, like, way, d- way deep in sleep, your brain activity is really, really minimal. And then as you're coming out, your brain starts, you know... Turning on, yeah. basically. Yeah. Because it is, it's like, um, it's, I, like, the sleep-wake transition is what I saw. It's like, as you're coming, based, like, exactly like yeah. you're saying, like, as you're coming up. And it's typically as your REM cycle throughout the night lengthen it will start happening more often so typically like halfway through the night is when you start having the more intense more prolonged more vivid dreams the dreams that you will more typically remember yeah and like you said they can come from stress anxiety irregular sleep medications mental health but the most common cause is ptsd oh interesting keep in mind we're talking about nightmares not just bad dreams so like 
consecutive, consistent nightmares that affect your day-to-day life or, you know, your sleep patterns or whatever. Those, Mm -hmm. the most common is PTSD. That makes a lot of sense. I think, um, one of the things that I noticed in the things that I was reading about was that sleep disturbance will only exacerbate like more nightmares because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, if your body is stressed and you're processing that, like you're not going to, your nightmares aren't going to just go away because you're, you know, you're causing your body more stress by having disturbed sleep. Do you ever have that thing happen where you wake up from a nightmare and then as soon as you go back to sleep, the nightmare continues? It's only happened to me like one time and I was horrified, Yeah. but it's, yeah. Okay. We'll come back to that. Okay. (laughs) So I did want to touch on night terrors because night terrors are very much different than a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more dramatic. They're not technically dreams, but are instead a sudden fearful reaction that occurred during a transition from sleep phase to another. Um, yeah. Typically, they're two to three hours after sleep begins. Um, and what's what's happening is you're waking up suddenly from a stage of uh, the deeper sleep where your brain activity is lower. So when you're having a nightmare and you're you're transitioning out of sleep your dreams are a lot more vivid you're able to like recall a lot more because you have this kind of storyline behind what you just dreamt yeah whereas night terror you're waking up so suddenly at such a low point of sleep activity that like there's not a story to go along with your fear that you're you're suddenly feeling and it's typically just like a picture it's like a spontaneous reaction yeah yeah, it's like this um, there's no context behind it. It's just like a simple scary image or whatever. Um, so there's no story behind it. So that's why sleep terrors are so much more intense because you have no way of like, oh, I'm feeling this because of this dream. I can remember parts of the dream. It's yeah. like, fuck, what is this right here? Like, yeah. you, know, you just have like this sudden thing that jolts you awake. And I have remembered where like that's happened to me before. And then I spend so much time mulling over this like really scary thing because I'm trying to remember what the story was because yeah. I'm assuming there was a story there. Right. Yeah. And so because it's happening at a point in your sleep where your brain activity is so low, a lot of times people don't even remember them the next morning. Okay. Um, yeah. Like what it they'll remember like waking up and being terrified, but they won't remember what the thing was because yeah. there's no like Your brain just put it there as a flirt, filler like, anyway. If I say some random word to you right now and then 5 years from now or 5 days from now, let's be more realistic. 5 days from now I ask you what the word is. Chances are you aren't going to remember it. But if I tell you the word and then tell you a long story behind it, chances are in five days from now you're going to remember it. Yeah, and there's a context to it. We spent time on it. There's a tie behind that. So we're not talking about night terrors today. We're talking about nightmares, which are the long, drawn-out stories that your mind has manifested. So I saw, too, that honestly, like you're saying, it is uh, PTSD. So I saw most commonly was, like, anxiety, um, having your, like, being stressed out about certain things. But I also saw, like, for children especially, that it just, like, referenced, like, reading a scary story or seeing Mm -hmm. something or hearing something story, which just goes back to what you were saying about, like, how vivid their imaginations are. Yeah. It'll just create a nightmare from, like, these things that you're just, like, seeing during the day. But I also think that doesn't stop with childhood. I think that that definitely happens with kids. I mean, with adults, too. I, I watch, you know, The Ring for the first time when I'm uh, 17 or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to dream about that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, it definitely happens <clears throat> later so on in life, too. I did see one of the studies say that um, it it was, like, a it was among college students, and I saw that there were, um, not a lot of them were tied to self-reported anxiety. So this study basically kind of figured out that our presumptions about how many adults have nightmares is, like, probably way off and that it's way higher than we think it is because I saw the same thing you saw like three to seven I saw two to eight percent and that 10 to 50 percent of children ages uh, five to twelve mm-hmm. 
have nightmares that are severe enough to wake their parents, like to disturb their parents. Yeah, so it's kind of, I, I also read the same thing. One of the sides is either you're not really thinking about it because, you know, if it's happening where it's like you're not really remembering the dreams when you wake up in the morning, um, you're not really reporting those numbers. But also if you are like, say you have a dream journal and you write it down in the middle of the night, you're so hyper-focused on that uh, like recording your nightmares that they're happening at a higher frequency than what should be recorded because you're so focused on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the thing is like your your brain is a processing machine and like what you give it to process is what is like the material it's gonna have, right? So yeah. like if you consistently give it like nightmare fuel, it's gonna give you nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so one thing I did want to talk about is this thing called nightmare disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects about four percent of the population. Um, and what it is, is it's a sleep disorder characterized by incredibly frequent nightmares. So, how often would you say you have nightmares? So, I don't, lately in this stage of my life, I don't remember a lot of my dreams, and I would say even less of them are nightmares. I maybe have one or two a year at this point. Okay. So, I have been diagnosed with sleep, or uh, with nightmare disorder. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I have nightmares every single night. Every single night? W- typically without fail. Um, unless I take a sleeping pill or like, you know, I'm, I'm drunk or whatever. Yeah. Um, typically every single night is a nightmare night for me. Oh my God. Um, okay. So this is different from night terrors in that the sleep doesn't jolt awake and often the sleeper remembers every detail of the dream vividly. Um, and like within, with like huge, huge detail, um, whereas night terrors are not accompanied by a vivid detail. Like I said earlier, they just like, kind of jolt away and have this image. Um, so a lot of things that happen is people will like scream or yell out things when they sleep. They'll be awakened by dreams and be able to recall every detail of it. Um, they'll awake, they'll wake up alert and oriented to their surroundings. So sometimes when you wake up from a nightmare, you're, you're confused of where you are. People who have nightmare disorder know where they are, know they were just sleeping, but... You know, they can so when you're in the nightmare, do you know you're having a nightmare? Um, I'd say like 50% of the time, yeah. Do you, does it make it But hard? here's the thing with my nightmares. So my nightmares are rarely um, imaginative. They're not like, oh, a monster's chasing me or, you know, some it came out of the sewer. You know, mm-hmm. it's like my mom has Alzheimer's and I'm trying to talk to her and get her to remember me or my dog just died or like... So they're like very literally manifested worries and anxieties that you yeah, have. Yeah, for sure. How long would you say that you've... When did... When was... How long has this been a thing you've been dealing with? My entire life. Are you kidding me? Since I can remember, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Does it make it hard for you to want to go to sleep? Um, no. I think that if it was a new thing that had just started manifesting, it would, but I've been dealing with it my whole life, so it's my norm. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. this is, I, I'm just interested that I didn't know this about you at all. And yeah. it actually does make a lot of sense that, like, you have, like, a lot more grit than a lot of people I know. And, like, if you, like, were going to sleep <laughs> yeah, I love this. It's fine. knowing that, like, you're, gonna, you're probably going to have a nightmare, like, So I, I never know. put a, I never put a word to it. Um, it wasn't until my most recent therapist that I just recently got last year, early last year, um, that I, like, in passing was like, oh, yeah, I have nightmares every night. Like, no big deal. And she's like, uh, <laughs> Back rec- up. record scratch. <laughs> yeah. What? And so she's uh, kind of really, like, dove, dove deep with me on that and um, helped me realize how not normal that is and how that needs to change. Yeah. And so I've been working on it extensively. But so I was going to say, like, it was something that you had kind of just, like, accepted. And yeah. it was, like, it's b- more recently a thing that you, like, 
feel like you need to deal with. Yeah. Or should deal with. Or could have a life without. Basically. Yeah, like basically. Like there is a way to have not sleep healthy. without nightmares. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing this every night where like you wake up and a lot of times like you're sweaty and panting and sobbing or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Damn. This sounds a lot more dramatic than No, no, but the thing is, is like I understand that like we're not saying. I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but that no matter what, like, sleep is so vital and important that, like, this is important, and it it must be vastly fucking uncomfortable, so, like, yeah. I'm really interested that you, I'm glad that we talked about this. Yeah. So, because of all that, um, she's been looking into treatments, and I actually looked into treatments yesterday, too, so um, there's a number of different treatments that you can do if you have chronic nightmares, or if you have nightmares just in general, and want to mitigate those and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, First and foremost, determine your cause of your stresses. <laughs> Go to therapy. Um, <laughs> just determine your stress and then manage them if possible. Um, for people who have PTSD and chronic nightmares, psychological therapy and medications is always a great way to go um, in some of those things. I really love the types of therapy that come with dreaming because dreaming is such like a abstract thing yeah there's not like here's this pill take it and you won't have bad dreams you know yeah so there's a couple there's one called image rehearsal therapy um so basically you write down your nightmares as you remember them um and then you rewrite the ending in something positive Hmm. so basically you're rewriting your own narrative so that if you have like a recurring dream i had when i was younger i used to have constant recurring dreams where i just like repeat the same thing over and over again wow and so um say I have this recurring dream where, I don't know, uh, I get run over by a car. Let's just say that's what it is. Yeah. What I would do is I'd rewrite the ending. So it's like, well, I got run over by a car, but I was wearing Iron Man suits. So I was fine. Oh, okay. So like you, you rewrite the ending and then what you do is before you go to sleep at night, you like read through the rewritten ending so that it rewrites the internal narrative that you have. So, so the dream stops have... being a bad dream. Yeah. So, so like that you, you can take change control the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another one, which I really want to do, and it was actually in a recent episode of Grey's Anatomy, for mm-hmm. all of you Grey's fans out there. It's called Eye Movement Desensitization, Desensitization Reprocessing, or EMDR. So, um, it's a psychotherapy in which eye movements or bilateral stimulation are used during one part of the session. So, in the Grey's Anatomy episode, what it was is it's this light bar that has a little light that bounces back and forth from le- left to right. And what you're doing, so it could be that, or it could be like you hit your left thigh and then your right thigh, and you go back and forth, left thigh, right thigh, left thigh, right thigh. And what you're doing is you're stimulating your brain to think about the movement that happens when you're in REM, the rapid eye movement where you're moving back and forth. Okay. And what you do is you talk through the trauma or the stress or whatever and like process it then. So a lot of times what people do with traumas is they don't ever process them. But when you're in REM, you're trying to process the trauma. Yeah. So you're you're kind of like stimulating yourself to be in REM when you're awake and then process the trauma in real life. Damn. So that you can move forward. Which I think is just freaking fascinating. Yeah, that does sound really interesting. Yeah, so you like watch this light slowly move back and forth and what you're doing is you're having this eye movement. The brain is so crazy. Nuts. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just like blown away right now. That's why I'm just like staring at you like, what? Yeah. So the memory that you're trying to process becomes not as threatening, Mm -hmm. and um, it's because of the biological mechanisms involved in REM. 
so painful events are transformed on like an emotional level so that you can like work through them and move past them. That's so interesting. Crazy. So, well, sleep is just such a huge part of your mental health that I think that we forget that it's like a big indicator of that. Yeah. Um, one of the people that came up a lot, her name was Lori Quinn Lowenberg, I think. She wrote a book about like sleep disorders or I'm not, I didn't write the title down, but I did write a few quotes from her. And one of them was just that like dream is a thinking, dreaming is a thinking process and it's a continuation of your waking like thought stream. Mm -hmm. So I think we forget that it's not like, yeah, it is a different place. Your dream place is a different place, but like you are the same person you were when you fell asleep that's processing that same day mm -hmm. and that's like a continuation of it. And like mm -hmm. you're not, it's like trying to change the water in a river. Like of course the context, the content isn't going to change. Maybe you're not willing to deal with it, but like that water's still there. Like it still needs yeah. to, still needs to be processed. Yeah, those neurons are still all firing trying to, like, work through everything that they've experienced. Yeah. And you maybe just, like, be adding stuff on top of that idea, so it's, like, just gets worse. This is why you should process stuff in real life. Exactly. <laughs> this is why penting things up does not yeah. help anybody. So the last few uh, were just stress reduction, like yoga, meditation, and exercise, stuff like that. Yeah. I also, I know, like, um, rigorous exercise, not, like, before you go to sleep, but just, like, having regular exercise in your routine, like, regardless of fitness or whatever your your like plans are like that's just good for your body to mm -hmm. become more tired so that you sleep better at yep. night. like that's just something that I think humans forget that like you sleep better when you need it like yeah like on weekends when I am like you know we're having like a lazy day and we're just like hanging out at the house going to sleep at night is hard because I haven't been doing a lot yeah I'm you've been resting all day yeah my body doesn't you've need rested. more rest yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like oh are we more of this you're just cool. compounding rest at this yeah. point yeah this, this feels great um, Your return so, on investment is very low at that point. <laughs> exactly. So one of the things I saw about like the specific um, like uh, science of sleep about the amygdala, as we learned, as I was taught to pronounce it, um, was that like you were saying when you're coming up through REM sleep is that. Um, the, your amygdala is very active during REM sleep and different parts of your brain just happen to be active and dormant during different cycles of your sleep and that's just when it is more active but it's also it's like pretty pivotal in processing um, like a lot of your negative emotions like your fear, your aggression, your anxiety, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of could be a really good indicator as to why nightmares happen also like in REM because mm -hmm. you if know, you've got a lot of those hormones in your body mm -hmm. then you're going to be keeping them when you sleep and, and when your brain's processing. processing the hormones that they have available are the ones that they're going to yeah working with like, yeah. hey what's up we're yeah. here we've, we've been ready all day okay, here even though you didn't deal with us yeah. we are still here for you yeah. that's what happens with your shit deal mm -hmm. with your shit yep 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 <laughs> um so i also read that for adult nightmares like uh who that there are groups of people who are more likely to have them and a lot of this is based off of age Personality type and trauma. Trauma being the biggest one, like you were saying about PTSD. For sure. Um, that's, yeah. It all makes sense. It all pieces together. Yeah. Um, are there, you said that that was like a recurring nightmare that you had as a kid. Are there any that, so you're saying you have nightly nightmares. Are they always like the same place, the same theme? Is it always completely different? No, it, it really, it really changes, um, the only time that I have recurring nightmares now, which is very infrequently, is when I'm not dealing with something in my life. I mean, understandably so. So yeah. it'll be like, um, I don't know, a, a relationship that I keep re re reliving, like the fear of the relationship ending in a certain way or, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Or like, 
I'm just not dealing with something in my life. That's the only time that I have a recurring nightmare for it. But a lot of times it's just focus like honing in on something in my life that I worry about and then just playing it out. Just like a passive concern. Yeah. Our brain is an asshole sometimes. It's yeah. like, hey, remember Are this? you worried about this? <laughs> Tight, let's live it. Let's let's talk about this hypothetical. Yeah. Let's, let's let's do a dramatization of it for you yeah. for a forty eight hours mystery special. Mm-hmm. Like let's just play this out for you on TV. <laughs> I hate that shit. It's the worst. Yep. Um, another interesting thing that I saw was that, uh, so Sleep Medicine did a study, I think that's a, um, like a publication, um, did a study that shows that blind people have four times as many nightmares as people who see. And a lot of the, like, thoughts about this were, um, which I thought, I think one of the reasons this was, like, an interesting thing was this was kind of, in the article's context was, like, kind of debunking that it's always, like, visual things or like you know seeing something scary or something like that is that a lot of it was about so many of those stressors or like social situations that like um a lot of the things that manifest in our nightmares are usually fear or anxiety based but a lot of them too can be embarrassment based and a lot of these come from like that they hypothesize that a lot of this comes from social situations where like a person is worried about like uh, spilling a cup of coffee or like not being able to orient themselves or like for sure being out in public and not having the resource to help themselves in a, a situation that is very different than the one that I or you are comfortable with or, like, know about. It's going back to their perceived vulnerabilities like kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think, And that's the thing, too, is that, like, vulnerability definitely, like, they're, you're, you're going to have to navigate in a different way than I am. But also on top of that, like, social vulnerability, I had never considered that factor of it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a big social vulnerability in needing to... I don't know, always, I think we all have these feelings of expectation to, like, be on our best behavior out in public. Even, like, when something happens on accident, like, when I'm at the coffee shop and, like, the the lid isn't tight enough on the creamer and you tip it over and it falls all over everything. Oh, and it's the worst. Oh, my gosh. It happened to the person in front of me and we helped clean it up, but it was also just, like, adults know this very well. Secondhand embarrassment is almost, most like, more painful than embarrassment itself. And sometimes your embarrassment, you can feel other people's secondhand embarrassment for you, and it just feels even, it's like compounded. We we should do an episode on embarrassment (laughs) because it's so, it's so fascinating. It's just cringy. That's the thing, too. It's It's literally the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, It's uncomfortable. Yeah. To the point where people, I mean, four times as many nightmares. I, I thought that was really. That's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of changed, I think. Did, I didn't even realize that I had perceived it to be, like, a visual thing. Because a lot of mine are visual. Like, a lot of, like, my nightmares are, like, a place. Do you dream in black and white or color? Um, usually, actually, in black and white. Okay. Um, another thing, too, is that depending on... So I'm bilingual, so a lot of the time, too, is, like, a lot of my thoughts when I'm, like, angry or upset or afraid, uh, internally, I go back to Arabic, because I think that's, like, my more, Ah, like, immediate language. So um, I do find that most of the time I dream in English, but sometimes I dream in Arabic, and that's always, like, I mean, obviously, and that's funny, too, because sometimes I'll dream in Arabic for people who don't speak Arabic, and I'm just, like, it's... So, like, I would be talking Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you were, yeah. Which is kind of just wild, because, like, my brain can do that, so it makes sense, but it's just, like, funny when you wake up and you're like, oh, okay. That person speaks English. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, a weird... That'd be, that'd be cool that you could differentiate the dream from reality a lot easier, because that's oh, where yeah. I struggle, is sometimes I'll dream something, and I'll not know if it's been reality or dreaming. So, so I'll, like, see this person that was in my dream, and I'll go, 
Did we actually have this conversation or did I dream that? <laughs> I've, I've had that happen before. Oh, it happens all Never the time. Never in nightmares for me, but definitely, like, in, in passing dreams, I'll literally talk to somebody and be like, look, I know we haven't talked in, like, six years, but did we, did I call you last week and we, like, talked about, I don't know, like, replacing your fence? Like, something that's so <laughs> ridiculous and so wildly, like, why would I be talking to this person about this? That was obviously a but dream. But it feels so but it's so real. vivid. Yeah. 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 I remember there was only one place that I had dreams like, this is so funny. I used to, my dreams as a kid, when I'd have bad dreams, would always go back to 1989 Gotham and uh, Jack Nicholson Joker. I'm not kidding (laughs) you. I'm not kidding you. They would all take place in like dark, stormy places that were very obviously that version of Gotham. And literally, like, Jack Nicholson Joker would be, like, the villain in my nightmares more than once. It wasn't, like, a recurring nightmare, like, because I, that was one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. But I remember that those dreams weren't always negative. Like, I was, like, with family and we were, like, doing things, but I would always be really, really scared. And I love that movie, dude. That's, like, my favorite Batman. It's, like, one of my favorite movies in general. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love Jack Nicholson, but anytime I see him in, like, the Joker makeup from that movie, I can't help but get a little bit, like, <laughs> because yeah. he was so, like, menacing and actually evil in my mm-hmm. dreams. I got kidnapped by him once. Mm-hmm. Which was actually, I did also, like, wake up a little bit starstruck. I was like, how important am I that dream Jack Nicholson yeah, kidnapped, kidnapped me, little yeah. old me. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of my dreams when I was younger were movie plots played out. Oh, wow, yeah. So Deep Blue Sea, oh. the last scene where they're in, like, that room where the the entrance to the sea is, like, in the middle of the room, uh-huh. there's, like, water splashing everywhere. Yeah. Lived that a couple times. Mm. Um, the Labyrinth. <sighs> Lived that shit a couple times. <laughs> Don't want it. Don't yeah. want it. So there's there's been a number of, of pop culture things that have affected my dreams to the point where I'm, I'm living in those movies. Which is funny because it's not always the movies that your parents are like, don't watch that, you're going to have nightmares. Like, I never had nightmares about Chucky. Like, I was scared to go to bed by myself because of things like that, but I was, I didn't have nightmares about things like yeah. that. Like, I, the nightmares I had were weird and... And both of those movies when I was younger did was not scare say, me. Like, yeah. sharks are, yeah, sharks are scary when they're ra- rabid and want to kill you. Sure, I get that, but... The sea and sharks don't typically scare me, and I wasn't scared of that movie. Yeah. You know, I don't remember sitting there in that scene thinking, wow, this sucks. I don't want to watch this anymore. Or or watching The Labyrinth. I thought The Labyrinth was fascinating, and I actually really liked that movie a lot. Yeah. But then living it, it was like, oh. Wait, are we talking The Labyrinth or Pan's Labyrinth? The Labyrinth. Okay. The old school, yeah, old school yeah, labyrinth. I hate that movie. I yeah, hate it. That's the one where they have to like, figure out like the prime numbers and stuff like that, right? I think so. Okay. I, is that some, the David Bowie some, one? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, that's okay. it. I know I hate that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was some movie from back in the day. but No, yeah. Which is yeah. funny because Payne's Labyrinth also seems like nightmare fuel. One of the most beautiful things I've ever seen would never consider it like that scary. Oh, I love that movie. You know what movie actually... Okay, so I had a really weird... I've always had a really weird, intense relationship and confrontation with, like, mortality in general, just because, like, I think I've just been exposed to death a lot, like, as a young kid. Uh, 
my cousins just did not give a shit when I was a kid. I was, like, 10, 15 younger than most of my cousins that we ended up, like, living with when I was younger. And it wasn't really their place to, like, police what I was watching. And it was also, like, the early 90s and really nobody cared. So I yeah. saw a lot of movies I shouldn't have seen. We were all latchkey kids. Yeah, exactly. Reservoir Dogs? Don't know why the fuck I saw that so, so young. But I just remember it took me years and years and years to figure out that that's the movie that I had seen. Because I just remember being a child and watching, is it... Pinky, who's like Mr. Pink, who's like who gets shot and is like the whole movie is like, I don't wanna die, I don't wanna die, and is like crying in that room they're all in. And I just remember all I remember really vividly <laughs> from being like a little kid sitting on the living room floor is just like that room that he's like bleeding in and like <laughs> everybody's like coming in and out and everything that's happening in that scene. And I just remember like that night not wanting to go to sleep and not because I thought that, like, that was going to happen to you, that I was going to have nightmares about that movie, but, like, pretty sure that, like, I wasn't going to wake up because I was, like, having to, like, process a lot of, like, death. Yeah. <laughs> like, not wanting to sleep because I was like, mm, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. once you realize, like, oh, I'm going to die too someday, you're it's like, like, oh, this is everybody. <laughs> I'm six. Oh, don't, Lord. Don't need to think about this yes. right now. So, oh, yeah, let's, Reservoir Dogs. Let's, let's talk about the most common nightmares. Yay! <laughs> Segue. Yeah, um, okay, there are six most common nightmares. Uh, teeth falling out. Mm-hmm. Definitely had that. Uh, being chased. Yeah. Definitely had that. Naked in an inappropriate place. Yep. Uh, late or unprepared for something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you or someone you know is dying. Mm-hmm. And then the most common nightmare, falling. Yeah, falling. So falling is fascinating. I think it's the most common because... It has to do with your nervous system shutting down at night. So when your muscles are falling asleep and your nervous system is shutting down, it gives your body the sense, like the the sensation of falling, and so that's why you're dreaming about falling. And like, if you ever jolt awake, do you think that the jolt awake is that moment that it's like that wink between consciousness and sleep where your body gives you that sensation and then you're not asleep enough and your body's like, wait, why are we falling? And yep. then you because. I never know if I jolt first or if I wake up first because they happen in the same moment where you like, you do that thing and you're just like, oh, okay, no, I'm fine. Go back to sleep. I don't, it's like a very disconcerting thing and I don't know which one happens first. I just get immediately pissed off. Because you're like, it's like, God damn it. Do you ever notice, too, that when you when that happens, is like you could tell because your muscles were relaxing. Now I know the science behind it. It's always happening when you're, like, about to have you're the on most the delicious sleep. sleep. You're, <laughs> yes. like, you're, like, uh, you can tell your rest is going to feel good. You can tell you're about to, like, fall into a deep sleep. And then you just jolt awake like that. And I'm always, you like, tri- ah, you, <laughs> you trip and fall on something in your mind. And then you jolt awake. And then you're just fucking mad. No, honestly, I'm always just in the middle of the sky for no fucking reason. <laughs> just, like, plummeting to my death. Like, I'm just, I don't, there's never any, like, reason to it. I'm just, like, oh, my God, I'm falling. <laughs> It's happening. Yeah. It's the the Matrix, but just no fucking context. Okay, so here are some of the theories behind the (laughs) other ones. Um, Your teeth falling out. A lot of that has to do with um, either feeling powerless because teeth are what you need in order to, like, grind your food and get sustenance and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, or it's a fear of how others perceive you or how you might look. Interesting. So, like, those kind of tie into those ones, they say. Um, That's being, a really deep-seated fear, if you think about it, because your our teeth are so vital to us, and I think a lot of us forget to think about them a lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I forget to think about my I teeth until I go to my dreams. dentist, and then I'm like, 
fuck, I need these forever, and I need to take care of them like that. Yeah. So mine is, whenever that happens for me, my teeth just, like, shatter in my mouth. Oh, God. And I'm, like, pulling shards of teeth out of my mouth. No, I've only ever had it happen once, and they literally just, like, weren't, they were, like, there, and then they, like, turned soft and just, like, all fell out at once. Oh, yeah, mine, like, shatter out. You know what's funny? (laughs) My teeth falling out dreams increased a lot when I got Invisalign because I had trays in my mouth every night. And so, so you I were think thinking about your mouth I was, a lot more? I was feeling, like, the trays in my mouth, so I felt like I had stuff coming out of my, like, excess <gasps> stuff in my mouth. So I was dr- starting to dream that my teeth were falling out in shards, and that, like, I had to, like, scoop my teeth out of scoop my mouth. Scoop teeth out. Yuck. Yeah. That's gross. It's gnarly. You ever had, um, so I know, I think you're going to talk about, well, okay, so for me, when you talk about chasing. Okay, let's do that one next. Um, so, well, are you done talking about, I don't want to yeah, yeah, cut, yeah. cut off your no, yeah. teeth That's enough out. teeth talk. <laughs> That's enough teeth talk. Okay. Uh, being chased a lot of times has to do with uh, pursuing goals in your real life. And so if you're running really fast and you feel like you're running fast in the dream, um, or if you feel like you're not moving at all and you're running as fast as you can but you're not making movement, a lot of that ties into your goals that you're doing in real life and how well they're going. Interesting, because I was just I was literally just about to ask you if... Not being able to run when you want when you want or need to run in a dream is the same thing as that like sleep paralysis that we get sometimes because like you want to move and you can't, but I don't think that's it. I think what you're saying makes way more sense because anytime I, that I'm being chased or need to run in my dream, I literally cannot move. So I don't know what that says about my goals. I'm never running I'll, fast. Enough. I also think it ties back into like the nervous system being involved and in that your muscles are at rest. And so your body, or your sorry, your mind is thinking about running, but you're, it's trying to fire on all of the nerve endings and the rest of your muscles, but they're at rest. So your nervous system is essentially shut down, but your, your mind's still trying to fire on those thoughts. And that always freaks me out so bad. Yeah. Because I'll wake up from those dreams and, like, immediately need to, like, get up and, like, walk around, like, the house or room because I'm just, like, I, I, I need to know that I can control all, mm-hmm. of, all of these limbs. Yeah. So... <laughs> Next up, naked in inappropriate places. Um, it touches a lot on vulnerability, anxiety, how someone might view you, um, just being exposed. I mean, I feel like that's pretty... I've never had this one. I've maybe had it twice in my life. Yeah. And it I... was just, it was so absurd and ridiculous that I wake up and go, all right, well, whatever. Yeah, okay, cool, whatever, yeah. yeah. I think it might, might be, like, uncomfortable while you're having the dream, but I, that's never been, like, one for me. Maybe we should do a social experiment and think about everywhere we go in life for the next week. Think about, like, what it would be like to be naked in public there and then see if we start dreaming about it. Oh, my God. You want me to provoke nightmares. All right. Got it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Homework assignment. Yeah. Podcast assignment. (laughs) Okay. So being late or unprepared, um, it has to do a lot with feeling overwhelmed or frazzled in life. Did you have this one? I had this one a lot, a lot, a lot in my undergrad. I had this oh, dream yeah. almost nightly. Do you know how many blank papers, like term papers I turned in in my dreams in undergrad? Do you know how All many of them. times I uh, woke up for some reason at four? P- Listen, I've always been a morning person. For some reason, I had a recurring dream that I was waking up at 4 p.m. during finals week, and I was... For some reason, the class was a 10 a.m. class, but for some reason, my professor was still there waiting in the classroom when I rushed in at 4.30. 
sitting waiting to tell me that there was absolutely no way she was going to accept my late paper and that I was not going to be allowed to graduate. Not not even that it was, that's the thing, this this happened when I first transferred to Sac State. I still had like three or four semesters to go. It's not even like I was going to graduate that next term anyway, yeah. but I had that dream for like three fucking years. Listen, I had though, it for every, a year after I graduated. Everything you do in undergrad is a ripple effect, though. The things you do the first semester affect you to the end. Yeah. I wish somebody, I wish I had known that early on. Yeah. For all of you that just now starting college, your first few semesters matter. Yeah, let me just They're tell gonna you. They're going to haunt you for the rest of your life if you do poorly. I feel like the nightmare episode is a really good time to bring up your fucking GPA. Because your GPA Ugh. will haunt you for fucking ever. Yeah, you, forever. Get, you get straight A's and it's all fine and dandy. And then you get one B and your GPA is fucked forever. Y'all, I graduated with like 12 college prep classes, cl- class units from my AP units and from all of these other overachieving ass things I did. You know what I did my first year of college? I didn't go to class. I, I stayed in my dorm room out. and I read about serial killers. That's mm-hmm. what I did. Uh, don't do that. Your GPA matters. And if you need to take a semester or a year off do to it. while out and live your life, I, as your podcast mom, support you. I would rather you do that as your other podcast mom than to... Sorry, that waste was my that time. In case it was not, I just farted. <laughs> <laughs> was my uh, then to waste your time in school, um, not only taking up the resources that are otherwise available to kids that might actually like be at the stage that you're not at yet, you're not doing yourself any favors. One of the things yeah. that I wish that I had like done, I don't know if it would have helped me to take more time off, but I do know it would have been better for me than to struggle through semesters that I knew I was not prepared for. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of things that I think we forget that need to be there for you to, to do well. And a lot of them don't, a lot of us don't have the privileges to have those things, but we need to work to make them as available as possible because yeah. otherwise school is fucking impossible. If this whole epidemic of the first three weeks of school being impossible to find parking could end forever and the people who just are serious about school show up and no one else does. Oh. Man, that'd be Do a great you ever, world to I would say that to myself every year. I'm like, I know you're not going to be here in two weeks. Why are you here now? Yeah. I hated that. I just I just got so sick of it that by the end of my last two years of undergrad, I just did 7 a.m. classes. I yeah. said, fuck it. No, I'm, I did too. I'm just going to go get a coffee. I'm going to show up early, not worry about parking. I loved it too because you would get a really good parking space and mm-hmm. then I would get, I would line up my classes where I would have like fairly early classes, almost back to back, like in the morning, like do two or three. Yeah. I usually did like 15, 18 units a semester and like you'd still have great parking. And then this is such a weird thing that I'd care about that it's still early enough in the day that when you leave, you're giving somebody else a good Hell parking yeah. spot. <laughs> you feel like such a badass. You're like, you're like, yeah, I'm on second floor. Yes. Take this you spot. Need, you need a second floor spot. I got you. It's not even compact. <laughs> yep. It's right by the stairs. Yep. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, it's not I would... even compact. <laughs> <laughs> that matters. Yeah. I would do 7 a.m. classes. Usually two in a row, and then I'd have a lunch break, and, like, I'd go to the gym or go to lunch or whatever, yeah. or nap in my car. Let's yes. be real. And then I'd do my last two classes, and then I'd go home for the day. Or I'd go back to the library and st- keep studying. Um, so, the last <laughs> most common nightmare is you or someone you know dying. And this has to do with change. Um, typically a phase ending or beginning in your life, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because I associate change with death. But it kind of is a death. I yeah. think we, we tend to negate death into, like, the end of life, but death can be many things. It's honestly death I, changes. Death is change, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just so crazy to me that human beings fear change so much that they're willing to equate it to death. 
Yeah, but we're much simpler than we give ourselves credit for. Like we are we? We still have... Or are we more complex than we give ourselves credit I think part of our brain is, but I think the part that is operating our most, like, primal reactions is still a little simpler. I would agree with that. And I think that's why, it's like, it's always, like, a really interesting reconciliation between these, like, very articulate parts of us that can, like, break down these thought patterns and these reactions and, like, why am I having nightmares? Why am I, like... All of these separate ideas that definitely affect our life, like, we can think about them and make better decisions about them. But at the end of the day, like, I'm still going to pick a fight with my husband if I'm, like, not in the right mood and he, like, hits me at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Not hits me literally, but, like, communicates comes with at me. You. <laughs> yeah, comes at me at the wrong time with the wrong thing just because, like, sometimes both of us have anxieties. And if it's been, like, a long day full of those anxieties and I'm trying to defend myself, sometimes... I, my rational brain is not going to kick in in time to tell me that I don't need to defend myself. Yeah. And my primal brain is going to be an asshole and protect me. Yeah. And probably cause a fight. Yeah. I did see, too, that um, not just death, dreaming of murder, like dreaming of being murdered, not just like, Ooh. oh, like your kid died, like somebody killing you. Have you ever killed anyone in a dream? I think I've killed someone in a yeah, dream. I've I never, sure have. I've never been killed. I've been chased in a dream. And I've never been killed. Always with a knife. Okay. Sorry. But you also it's are very... knife. <laughs> you also are very culinary. You think that has anything to do with it? No, I think that... Um, <laughs> you think you just... That's, that's your weapon? Listen, shooting someone, there's there's not a lot of, like... I don't want to say passion, but, like... No, I understand. It's a, it's a more visceral, uh, yeah. direct, physical thing. I get that. Knife is personal, man. Yeah. Um, I did <laughs> wow, see... that was a tangent. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. You just, I get it. Um, I did see that murder was more about forced ending. Like, okay, we're talking about death being, like, the end of something or a change. I saw murder being, like, forced ending or feeling pressured to change or make a change that you don't want to make. Oh. Which is, like, killing part of yourself. Which is, like, that's a little melodramatic brain, but I'm, all right. I'm trying to remember if um, I've ever died in a dream. I don't, I think, I've honestly, been dead in a dream. Really? Like a ghost. You've been a ghost in a dream? Yeah. <gasps> that sounds very meta. <laughs> Like that's a that's like maybe that's how we transcend and have ghosts in real life. Is it's just our dream spirits walking around being dead? You're talking about like astral plane, like yeah, like oh, you know what dimension I also want to do? Sleep. I also really want to do like a lucid dreaming episode because if it is another dimension, lucid dreaming is a whole ass other autonomy that we don't even know about. Yeah. I'm trying to honestly, aliens and now this <laughs> aliens and dream worlds. This is where is the otherworldliness going to end? People are going to stop relating to this podcast. Yeah, they're going to be like, y'all need to fucking chill. Yeah, stop. <laughs> Can doing you go so back to depression, stop please? Stop doing so much drugs. <laughs> Can we go back Can to we your go trauma? Back to depression. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Remember yeah. when we did gun control and then we said, "Fuck it, we don't care about this." <laughs> yeah. We recorded an entire episode on gun control, and we're so unsatisfied with it. it was the that most just... lackluster shit I've ever fucking... <laughs> you could tell both of us were like, eh, yeah, I don't... Yeah, here's some statistics. <laughs> I did meet some people who would have a great discussion about it, and I literally yeah. just want to put a mic in front of them and be like, y'all have at it. I just want to be here to get uncomfortable with y'all, because <laughs> it got... Popcorn. I was doing it at the... This was happening, like, at a bar on the outside patio, like, on the sidewalk, and I was just listening to us getting louder and louder. So I, at this point, disengaged from the conversation but I watched it all happen and I watched everybody else around us kind of like you know you watch everybody's feathers ruffle a little bit because they want to jump in but they're not good because we're not technically supposed to be eavesdropping on each other but we're all technically doing it yeah let's be real I love listening to people yep 
All right, so murder. <laughs> murder. So murder, um, I saw that as a theme, and then um, I also got some points of other people's nightmares, if you wanted to go over, like, actual Ooh, yeah. nightmare examples. Yes. So okay. we had some callers phone in and tell us their nightmares. Yes. <laughs> On our hotline. <laughs> 1-800-NIGHTMARE. <laughs> That's us. My favorite message I got was, I lost my kid on a city bus last night. <laughs> that is, one. I mean, it, it makes sense. You love your kid. City buses are a sweet, you know, a space of vulnerability where you can leave them. Well, there's also just, yeah, there's also such a lack of control in that. Because not only did you lose the kid, you lost them on a system that's like, I, you don't know. Where are they now? Where are they now? Yeah. yeah. It's like when people get on the, long, the wrong light rail and it's like opposite directions. Oh, that was fun. I, uh, so when I Did went you to, do that? In Tokyo. Because, <laughs> oh. so based on which direction you're going, it's the platform you get onto, and there's no bridge across the platforms. Oh, so yeah. So a lot of times, like, sometimes you'll be, like, on the wrong side, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's all in Japanese, and I don't read, speak, write Japanese. Yeah. I was just this stupid bike girl over there. Um, and so it was just like, all right, well, see... It was see, literally just a guess? Yeah, see which way the train's going, and maybe that's the direction I need to go. But the thing with... Subways in Tokyo is you have to go kind of underground for all of them. Yeah. And so, so you can't you get, tell like, where you like are. A, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, I get turned around too fast. Even when I would, like, kind of question it when I was living in San Francisco and, like, I would get on the Muni, I would sometimes forget. And, like, it, it's not, like, a really big deal, but there are some stops where when you get out, they're big enough that it does matter which side you exit mm-hmm. on because you're under the you're under the intersection, so it'll matter which corner you pop up on, like, when you're up on the surface yeah. street. And it's not a big deal. You can cross the street. For sure, it, like, yeah. It's just, it like... Just, it took me a couple days it to It makes a difference, yeah. for sure. Okay. What, so, we have... We had another response that says, I had a horrible recurring nightmare as a kid about roller skating in a laundromat. There was a boy calling out for help over a loudspeaker, gremlins stabbing my arms with forks when I tried to get out, and I still start to cry if I think about it. Oh... This is, I've literally got goosebumps reading this the first time and just now because this, I can like feel this happening in a nightmare, like hearing a voice over a speaker like that would be so scary. And um, then this person then continues to say, my husband brought it up while I was pregnant and I actually full on cried. Oh, Oh. that's so sad. Like Gremlins the movie, I wonder? It's a capital G, so I'm assuming yes. Plus those Gremlins are pretty scary. Like like you were talking about last time before Mogwai. Is it she? Yes. I wonder if she has seen Gremlins 2 because it's much more comical and it Gremlins puts an edge on... Gremlins the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard or seen in my life, but it really does defang those fucking Gremlins. Yeah. I mean, the, the end scene is them singing New York, New York, <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, you might... Might be good therapy to watch Gremlins Yeah, too. I'm not going to call you out by name, but if you recognize yourself, maybe watch Gremlins 2. It might help. That's yeah. our suggestion. And we're sending you lots of love. Yeah. This actually reminded me of a nightmare that I had recently. This is going to sound... Okay, there's this, like, Twitter story that was happening through threads from this, like... I think he's a graphic designer or artist. But he's, like, an online presence on Twitter and just, like, Instagram in general. He does really cool, like, comic strips. And I think he is an illustrator because there's, like, recurring themes of characters that he draws. Mm -hmm. But he did this, like, Twitter story. It's, like, this, like, format, basically, of just, like, telling a horror story 
but making it seem real with like random images and just like tweets, right? So people will write scary stories. Like there was this one guy writing a story about like a guy who followed him on vacation who looked just like him, but it was just like this really interesting story he was telling. Mm -hmm. This story was called Dear David. A lot of people will probably know about it. Um, Is it Dear David? Yeah. And it's about this little boy who's like part of his head is caved in and he's this like little ghost boy who this guy consistently sees in his apartment over two years. There's a whole bunch of weird stuff that happens in the apartment. It is... Okay, here's the thing. I'm too fucking gullible for this shit. I'm still not 100% sure so that this it's is not real. Pasta but stuff. it is a story. He's telling okay. a story, right? And he's a really, really good storyteller. But after I like delved really, really deep into this for like the third time, because every like six months or so, I'll go back and see if he updated it. And for a while, he was, but he's not yeah. anymore. <laughs> after I delved into it for like the third or fourth time, I just remember like having this really intense dream that was so fucking vivid and so clear. And it was, from our bedroom window, we faced the back of our house. It's our backyard. It's not the front yard. But I had this dream that I got up out of bed and I looked out the window, which is like right off of my side of the bed. And I looked out the window and it was our front street. Hello, David. Don't. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just got to get And this, there's, we have, I live, um... I live in a part of the city that still has, like, the old school, like, street lamps, right? So it's yeah. this, like, greenish, really intense looking, like, old school, really pretty street light. But it only illuminates that part of the street in little cones. And there's, yeah, like, like, three Harry of them Potter, on our street the first that are in Harry out. Potter. Right? So this is one of the few that's on. Exactly. They didn't come through with that lighter because there's only like two of them fucking lit on my street. So under this one, I have this really clear image and the boy doesn't look anything like Dear David. It's It's like the kid's a different ethnicity. He's a different age. It's like a completely different kid, but there's just this little boy standing under the light by himself and it's dark. And I just... Like, nope. remember seeing nope. that, and that was the dream. That was it. But I remember it, like, the way that the dream then haunted me for the next few days and how clearly I would think about that little boy. I got so scared for so long, but I had completely forgotten that I was reading Dear David, right? So then one day, Sam just goes, Tana, like, you you do know, though, that, like, you're, you're most likely thinking a lot about this kid because of that story you've been reading, right? And I looked up at him, and I was like, oh, my. Oh my god, I totally forgot I was reading that. And I had this like moment of connection of like, okay, I'm just internalizing this small You're child still, like, for kind some of a reason. Dummy. Yeah, and I felt a little bit okay. silly. But it was still just as horrifying, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Read Dear David though, really spooky, really cool. Okay. Um, but okay. definitely like along creep like the, along the lines of a creepypasta. Okay. I've got one that's about teeth. Oh, teeth are fun. Um my teeth fall out or crumble into sand in my mouth. The worst is when they crumble into sand. It's super realistic, and I can literally have the feeling of a mouthful of sand and can't wake up. Oh, a mouthful like of sand, band. and they're your teeth. It's there's not like- nothing worse than having a single fucking grain of sand in your mouth, <laughs> let alone in, in like a, a pile of sand in your <laughs> I mouth. Can, I, I can feel it in the back of my throat now, and it's wet. And I don't. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, that is the worst. That's terrible. Sand teeth. Sand teeth. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we had another person who said, I always dream about something, and then some piece of it turns out to be real or true the following day or two. It's real creepy. I don't like that. See, that that to me says that you 
have a very strong intuition, yes. then you should trust your gut. Yeah. And that a lot of times your subconscious is picking up on things and then it's playing out in your dreams like, look at this, look at this. So I think that's tight. So I've never been able to differentiate between whether or not it was deja vu or not, but there have been dreams that have really, really stuck with me for years and years and years until I have a moment in real life that is literally that dream. Mm-hmm. And then I'll like remember that I had a dream about that, but it was like when I was like 10 or something. And now I can't tell you what those dreams are. I feel like the dream happens as a placeholder, and then the moment happens, and then I resolve the dream and forget about it. Because it's happened to me three or four times where, like, just random dreams, random scenes of places that, like, I shouldn't be back in or go back to or, like, why I'm there. Yeah. And then I'll randomly, like, end up there, like, a few years later and, like, kind of have that same moment where I'm, like, handing someone something or saying it, which is very deja vu-esque, but... Deja vu is when one side of your brain isn't connecting fully with the other side immediately and there's like a very momentary glitch is that what that is because i think I, I think that's like instead of your neurons immediately connecting and the the memory being a fluid moment what's happening is there's a small gap and so your memory is feeling like it's happened in the past but really you're just experiencing now and then processing it so i think that's the causation and what it is is the, what happens is when that neuron does refire like because what i i remember asking somebody is like what is deja vu and why is like nobody scared about it because like we're all telling the future here and like yeah, we don't know it's the matrix. nobody nobody cares yeah <laughs> um and a friend of mine was saying that um the feeling of recognition is also like a chemical it's like a brain chemical obviously yeah. so what happens i think is that when that happens when it like refires or reconnects you get a flood of that like hormone feeling of recognition. like you've already lived it so even though the moment might be brand new it's not that you're remembering something it's that you're having a moment of recognition in that moment that's literally just like your brain is like it finally glitched. catching up yeah yeah it's the weirdest thing Which ever. just made me think of Vanellope Fawn Sweets when she glitches. Oh, my, I love... She's the cutest little glitch. <laughs> yeah, she is. I was also thinking of the movie Deja Vu because I think of that movie a lot because mm-hmm. of... <laughs> stupid. As soon as I, like, learned about it, I was like, oh, that's, that's a really interesting theory. What about your most common dreams that you have? Or do you have any of your own nightmares that stand out in your mind? That you um, remember to this day from your little, or that you've had recently that, like, you still kind of are processing? Dude, that Joker one I haven't had since I was five or six. I have no idea why I remember that. I have no idea why I remember it so clearly. I do remember that the only cousin that was in it, like, the only person I recognized that was in it was my cousin who was there to, like, help me. And that also ends up... that was the cousin who, like, six months before I had that dream or a year before I had that dream. It was, like, pretty recent. Um... <laughs> when I was little, his little brother pushed me into the pool and I didn't know how to swim. We were both little kids. What and a dick. He saw, we were both super little and I, I don't think he knew. I think he thought I could swim and I was like in the shallow end, but I was terrified. But his brother saw it happen and he was a few years older than us, but he was on the upstairs balcony of our, I'm not even kidding you. This story sounds so made up, but this, the nineties were wild, dude. He jumped from the balcony into the, into our apartment pool because he saw me and he like saved my life. Like Aww. I was like, I was five I was terrified I didn't know how to swim um and I just now made the connection that that might be the reason he was the only person that I recognized because we used to watch that movie a lot when we were younger Mm -hmm. and it was at that same like house that I ended up getting like kidnapped from in the Batmobile why was the Joker driving the Batmobile I don't know but my cousin was there to help me and I like because you couldn't manifest what the Joker would be driving well exactly I've never seen that clown car before it's like from the next movie yeah it's not yeah he's on that parade float he's Mm -hmm. not gonna pick me up in a parade float Mm mm-hmm 
The duck. Not from not from the not from the Wayne Manor. Manor? Manor? Manor. So my most common dream I had when I was younger was about a killer meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) So some backstory. Okay. Um both my brothers are half brothers. Okay. And so they would go to their respective parents' homes. Um, every once in a while, like my, my oldest brother would go to his mom's house in another state for a couple of weeks during the summer. And my middle brother would go to his dad's house, um, like uh, weekends every once in a while and he, he, they'd just be gone. And so when I was lo- younger, it was hard for me to process them being gone for so long. And so I used to have a lot about, a lot of dreams about them being kidnapped or them missing or stuff like that. Yeah. And that's, I think how I was kind of trying to process them not living in the house for a period of time. Yeah. And so, um, there's that. And then also throughout the week, my parents, once we got old enough, we would, um, like make our own dinners. Like one of us would be responsible every night for a dinner. Like my brother, John would make pizzas like Friday nights or like I would make, you know, whatever Thursday nights. Like we we kind of had a schedule where like we were all learning how to cook and would make dinners. Cool. And so the reason why that's relevant is because we were making meatloaf one night in the microwave. Uh Uh-huh. And we, like, you know, set the microwave on to go, like, start cooking. And then we all go and play. And we go back and check on the meatloaf. And it's, like, become this 80s movie, like, bubbling mass. Ooh. Where it's, like, forming into something that looks very alien. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> eventually, like, grows and grows and grows and grows into, like, the size of, of like, Job at the Hut, basically. Okay. Size meatloaf, right? Cool, 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 And it's, like, cool. this evil meatloaf. And so, like, we run upstairs and, like, grab whatever knives or toys or what we can to, like, attack it. And long story short, both my brothers end up getting eaten by the meatloaf, and then I wake up. So I, ha- I had this dream, I want to say, like, 20 times. And so what I didn't realize, the reason why all this, like, <laughs> these therapies is so fascinating to me is because what I didn't realize is that I was doing my own image rehearsal therapy myself by rewriting the story of the meatloaf. Which is maybe the weirdest sentence I've ever said in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But what I was doing is I kept having this goddamn dream and I wanted to stop. And so before I fall asleep at night, I think about another way that it could end or that I could fight this meatloaf or whatever. And then in my dream it would play out. And then eventually I got to the point where I like negotiated with the meatloaf (laughs) to let me go. And, like, joined my parents outside the house. And then I stopped having the dream. Whoa. It was literally releasing you? It was releasing you back to the safety of your parents? The last time I had this... fucking wild. The last time I had this dream, the meatloaf picked me up and put me on the front door. Oh, my God. I never had the dream again. Did it still kill your brothers? Yes. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, John and Chris. Uh, The craziest part is that when they opened the front door, it was just a bright white light. Okay, that's terrifying. Yeah. So I that was, was the craziest dream I've ever had in my whole life, and it happened many, many times when I was younger. That's that's scary. A meatloaf. The only other one that I can think of that's recurring is that like feeling of needing to run, but a lot of the times when I have that one, it, I'm not being chased by anything. I literally just need to get up and run, and I cannot move. Mm-hmm. And that always just freaks me out because I, like, I know there's something I need to run from, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. So a lot of recurring nightmares I have now are about my dogs. Yeah. I can believe that. And they fuck me up. That's the only time that I wake up and start sobbing because they feel so real and I, like, have to go find them and, like, 
they're always so confused. It's like the middle of the night, like, and I'm okay, like sobbing, well, hugging them, petting them, and they're like, "What the fuck are I'm you like, doing?" Have like, a Mom, sleep, bitch. stop. <laughs> They just like kind of look at me and then like way back down like what is wrong with you? Um, I have that with Lucy. Um, not any of the indoor animals, but definitely with Lucy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she got this really okay. So um, I don't like that she's outdoor. I do totally agree that outdoor animals are like definitely at more risk for whatever. Um, she's not even like partially indoor, but she also absolutely refuses to live indoors. You guys don't understand how like miserable and timid she is she's a wild heart yeah well she was feral when we found she was a barn cat and sam just like found her because she was like starving in a parking lot and like brought her home so she's very used to the outside life yeah um before she was ever even an outside cat our cat used to fight her right inside and so they just get into scuffles sometimes and she got this really gnarly cut in the, like, the fold of that arm skin on her front arm yeah. when she was really young. And we, like, I, we took care of it. It wasn't a big deal. We even, like, asked the vet about it. But I just remember how, like, visceral it looked because it just looked kind of deep because, like, the other cat had, like, kind of scratched her. And I just remember um, being really, really worried about, like, how soft and tender look. Because, you know, like, cats are already so soft and, like, when their tummies are all, like, white and fluffy They're like floppy, that. So yeah. she's just, like, floppy right there. So it's just, like, a really tender spot for her, right? I started having nightmares all the time after she went outdoors about her getting, like, the same type of injury. Like, getting that same type of, like, soft spot, like, big cut of, like, oh. soft skin. And I just kept, I think, because I knew... It wasn't a close call, but when it was indoors and I knew the other cat was clean and I knew she didn't have anything... Sure. Was, the risk is lower. The risk was way lower. It, I could take care of it because she was really close to us every day, so I could check her every day. And now it's just like she just – and she lives literally right outside the back door. She, like, doesn't really go very far, and she's there for breakfast, like, every single morning. So I don't really ever worry about her getting too far away. But it's also just like I only started having that dream after she went outside, so I'm just like, oh, all right. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that anxiety. I love it. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's talk about a really – funny, adorable, happy thing that one of your animals did this week before we sign off on fucking nightmares. <laughs> okay, so um, every week is basically the same with these guys at this point. They're yeah. very set in their ways. Yes, they course. very like have very distinct personalities. So one of the things that my team and I do at work is every day we talk about something positive. And so this last week I actually chose to talk about um, Ellie, Dexter, and Lincoln over the week. So I'll just touch on this. Okay. Um, what I said for Dexter was that he's really goofy and very sweet. And so my favorite thing that he does is if, if I get home and I don't immediately pay attention to him and give him pets, he'll howl at me. <laughs> That's hella cute. And then Ellie, um, when she wakes up in the morning, she's like usually very alert, but she likes to do this thing where she like gets on her back and rolls around and snorts. <laughs> And it's like, still to this day, she's almost 13, and she's very playful in that regard, and she, it's so freaking cute. I love that. Yeah, and then my cat is usually just kind of a butthead all the time. He's a cat, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. He, he makes it very well known that he doesn't care if you're in existence or not. <laughs> but he does these things where he'll come up, I'll be sitting on the couch, and he'll like, knead for a second on my leg, and then lean against it like it's a recliner. Yeah, Like Jeff Goldblum. In With the, the elbow, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't, when cats do the elbow thing, I'm always just like, do you know what you are? Yeah. Do you have any idea what you are? Because our, our cat and does like, too. stretch out the opposite leg, and all I can think of is Jeff, Jeff Goldblum in 
uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes. He's laying there on the... Yeah. I can't. I can't. It's too much. So, um... Those are my positives. Gus has actually been... We've been talking a lot about it because, in general, he's always been a very sweet dog, but he was kind of, like, when he was younger, he was kind of just tolerant of the snuggles and just, like, was like, all right, yeah, cool, you're, yeah. I'm here for this, and then I'm going to get up as soon as you're done because I'm, I'm just trying to sleep. Yeah. But as he's gotten older, he's been, like, more and more about it, so now he'll do this thing where... If I'm if one of the cats is laying too close to me, he'll come up on the couch. He'll like go the long way because he usually stays at my feet under the table, and he'll go the long way around on the sectional and come up and literally sniff at the cat so much that she'll get annoyed oh. and leave. And then he'll come and lay down and he'll put his chin on my leg and just look oh up at me like, "Oh my god, like what? I what? I didn't do anything. I'm just sniffing her. I'm just here. <laughs> I guess she just wanted to leave, but I'm you know I'm here for it. That's <laughs> like, adorable. All right, dude. I love Thank it. you. So hopefully you have better dreams with those thoughts in your head than Dear David. Yeah, well, we gave you some tools to get over it. Some really cool tools. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool tools. tools. <laughs> Tool time with Katie and Dana. <laughs> Send us your stories if you want to share more. Okay, bye guys. We love you. Bye.